The future will be amazing. And that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400-horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. A retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And yes... This truly is a different perspective, and I truly am Kevin Randall. I'm standing by with another special edition of A Different Perspective. Last time, I promised to talk with David O'Leary, who is the creator of the Project Blue Book show that is currently on history. Unfortunately, he had a family emergency, but I lucked out. And I have Arturo Interian, who is a senior vice president for scripted programming for history. And he's going to talk to us about UFOs and how the program came about and some of the behind-the-scenes stuff so we can get an idea of what they're talking about. Um, he is also executive producer of History's uh, hit series Vikings, which was created by Michael Hurst. Nightfall, which is the number one new drama on cable for the 2018-2019 season. And, of course, Project Blue Book, as I have mentioned, um, which is coming from the Academy Award-winning executive producer... Roger Zemeckis, which I wanted to point out because I think, he, wasn't he the guy behind uh, um, the uh, Back to the Future movies? He did um, Back to the Future, he did Contact, he did Forrest Gump, won an Academy Award for Forrest Gump, um, did Castaway, so uh, he's, a, he's a classy, uh, talented fellow. Well, there you go. And, and that was my <laughs> guest 
Arturo, how you doing? I didn't get through all the introduction, but how you doing? Oh my goodness, it's, it's, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, uh, can't complain. You and I have been, as you know, we've been communicating via email and discussing all things UFO phenomenon and UFO history. So I'm I'm honored and and happy to be uh, filling in for David. Uh, I'm yes, I'm the executive producer for history on the series, and um, happy to have a, a chat with you today. And that was one thing that struck me is uh, I noticed in our communications that you had a very strong background in UFOs, that you knew an awful lot of the esoteric stuff that most people aren't aware of. And I just wondered, how far back does your interest in UFOs go? It goes back pretty far, you know. I, I would say the two things that had the biggest influence on me was um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, uh, you know, seeing that in the movie theaters as, as a kid. And then, and then there was this um, sort of Jack Webb drama series, which wasn't, in retrospect, if you look at it from today's lens, it doesn't really hold up that well, but it was called uh, Project UFO. At least in the United States, it was called Project UFO. That was sort of a proto-attempt uh, at, what, at what I think we're doing with Project Blue Book. Um, and, just, and, and from then on, I just read every book I could get my hands on, saw every documentary, every special. I've read several of yours, uh, as you know, Kevin. Um, and and so when this came, uh, when this when this project came into my office, I was uh, I was I was a very willing uh, audience uh, to sort of hear hear the approach and hear what they wanted to do. Well, I know the Project Blue uh, Project Blue Book, the Project UFO show. I actually did a review of that in one of the UFO magazines that were ubiquitous in the mid 1970s, and I sort of remembered it as as being sort of a debunking of the. Uh, uh, UFO phenomenon as opposed to something that was really getting into the nuts and bolts of it. It was sort of the reverse of what we're doing. You know, as you know, the, the central thesis of our show um, is, is is that Heineck uh, goes from skeptic to debunker while while he, you know while he's consulting with the Air Force for 20 years, and ultimately comes to conclude that he's working for sort of a PR operation, a, uh, a sort of a debunking uh, operation, a fake news operation, if you will. Uh, whereas that show, to your point, I'd like to debunk quite a bit. Once in a blue moon, they throw in sort of a Twilight Zone sort of huh ending. Um, but but largely, I think you're right. It was sort of like, oh, it's all, you know, misidentified planes in the skies and whatnot. But to be fair to um, Jack Webb, mm -hmm. he was the one he was the one that got the Air Force to microfilm the Project Blue Book files so that all of us could now buy copies of the Project Blue Book files and have microfilm copies at our house. And uh, so we kind of owed him a debt for that. And I guess Carl Sagan was the one that convinced the Air Force not to destroy the Project Blue Book files so that we have that body of information to, to deal with. So I, oh, those are two which, things. Which, by the way, by the way that's, that, that, that Sagan thing is ironic to me because, as you, as you know, he was a big um, sort of debunker of UFO sightings. He really said people that saw them were equivalent of people that saw sort of leprechauns and fairies. And, and, and as you probably know, Heineck debated him on a couple of uh, talk shows and situations. So I think that was really open-minded of Carl to say, hey, you know what, this is, this is valuable data, let's preserve it. Um, and obviously you've written about it, you know, you wrote the great book, Project Blue Book Exposed, um, which uh, is, is, is such a uh, thorough um, discussion of so many cases. Well, and there's so many more cases in Project Blue Book. What's, what I find ironic now, I have sitting on my desk a little blue uh, uh, hard drive, external hard drive that's about the, a little bit larger than a pack of cigarettes, and on that is the entire Project Blue Book files, all 12,000 cases, mm. and all the administrative documents. And it's just astonishing to me that, that we have that data and we can put it on that little tiny device. So I have access to it through not only digitally, but I also have a complete set of the microfilms. So. Uh, and that's sort of irrelevant to anything, I suppose. <laughs> well, I will say this: it used to be. You know, I, I listened to an interview with Heineck where he said, "Look, it's it's like it used to be over a thousand dollars to get to basically download or get a hold of that microfilm. So now that we can just, you know, go on various websites or or, or, or get it on, on a flash drive is, is 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 fantastic. It's amazing how technology has evolved so that we can just you know Google something or pull something up and just get access to FOIA documents or what have you. Do you uh, do you use the Project Blue Book files much in the uh, writing of the program? We do, we do. I mean, I think you, think you and I talked a little bit about this. I know, um, I know uh, as, as you know, we have a, a sort of a short documentary at the end of every episode, and, and we have a sort of a longer one on our website. But, you know, when, obviously we, we, we do deviate from the cases, uh, and, and really what that, that's been about is, you know, when you sort of look at so many of these cases, 
uh, with, you know, with a couple exceptions, it's like, oh, they saw some really inexplicable lights in the sky, huh? And then Blue Book says, well, what you saw was Venus, weather balloon, meteor, sort of fill in the blanks. And, and really what, what, what our conversations became about was, well, you know, the problem with that for us was that's not conveying to a, a modern audience the sort of the, the high strangeness that, that repelled, that Heineck, that different people felt in these situations. And this is an audience that has seen close encounters, that has seen, uh, that, that has seen contact and, and, and has seen these films. So how do we take maybe perhaps elements from other cases so that emotionally you feel this is some weird, inexplicable stuff uh, for a modern audience and not just sort of have a, a recitation of, you know, just, just the, the, the sort of events A, B, and C of a case. Well, you know that uh, my colleagues in the UFO field uh, are very divided on, on the program, and, and many of them are just outraged by it. And they don't seem to be able to separate the fact that it's a, a drama from, from uh, the reality of the situation. Um, and, and you have, have suggested in the past that this is a way of, of as you just said, bringing it to a, a modern audience. Uh, have you gotten that feel of from, from the UFO community? What is, what is it, the feedback you get from the UFO community other than just me? Well, you know, I, 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 it, it really depends. I, I think, um, I, I think there's, a, there's a certain guard um, that, that really wanted a documentary. Uh, they seem to be sort of a vocal small group, the, the, the show. And, and, and yet, and yet I, I have tremendous respect for them because we sort of stand on the shoulders of a lot of their work in trying to bring these sorts of stories and cases to, to a broader audience. I, I think in terms of, of, of the general response, it's been positive from, from, from UFO podcasters that really delve into this to the fact that our, our ratings have been really excellent. You know, Project Blue Book uh, so far is the number one new cable drama series in the 2018-2019 season. You know, our, our very first episode um, had over 5 million viewers over the multiple airings, and, and that exposed them to uh, the Gorman dogfight. Obviously, we changed the name for Fuller. We can get into why we, why we changed the name to Fuller. But a case that, that I don't think 5 million people would have, would have been aware of or, 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 or really flocked to had it uh, just been a documentary sort of case of what happened with Gorman over Fargo, North Dakota, and those elements. But I think the problem they're seeing, the, the UFO committee part of them is seeing, is that there will be those who cannot separate the fact from the fiction and become confused by the elements of your program as if it's part of the reality. I, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I hear that. At the same time, I think that's why we, we made very... Uh, you know, while we made certain at the end of every episode to sort of have that 30-second and, and really not just to have that sort of 30-second sort of uh, very documentary and very factual, very, you know, very correct uh, sort of the, the key central element of the case, but to say, hey, to find out even more, go on history.com where we have a, a different sort of expanded documentary and an article that goes into the exact nature of the case. I think, I think one, of the, one of the things that I'd, lo that I'd love to sort of try and get across is that one of the things I think the show does uh, and, and this is this is a slightly larger conversation. Is connect. There are so many elements of this phenomenon and the military response to it. And frankly, um, sort of uh, companies that are military contractors, um, sort of involvement with it that date back to the 1940s, but are still incredibly relevant to today. And one of the things we we wanted to be was also relevant to today and find opportunities, whether that's in looking at sort of things like meta metals, which date back to Roswell. But you know, Robert Bigelow at Bigelow Aerospace says. I've got some metamedals, and, and to the Stars Academy, you know, Tom DeLong's outfit says, we think we have some metamedals. So, so in our last episode, we introduced that concept, but it's a concept that goes from 40, at least from 47 to today, and there's other elements, too, uh, along those lines that, that we want to we we look at and sort of try and connect past to present. Well, we're going to have to take a quick break here because we're running out of time in the first segment. I'm with uh, Arturo Interian, who is the Senior Vice President for Scripted Shows at A&E, and he's one of the, I guess, guiding lights behind the History's Project Blue Book. For more information about Project Blue Book, you can take a look at my uh, blog, www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com, and I usually have a commentary about the programs that have just aired so that you can get a better look at it with, uh, I think, longer a look at the cases that kind of inspired those programs. Uh, you can also take a look at the uh, www.history.com slash show slash Project Blue Book and take, uh, get a better look for what's going on as well. We will be back right after this with uh, Arturio Interian from A&E.
It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by shaman worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com. As they often say, we are back. I am joined by Arturio Interian, who is a guiding light behind project blue book we've been discussing that program and how well it's doing on history and i understand it's been picked up for a second season is that correct it has it has it's uh, incredibly validating and exciting that people have really responded to it you know one of the one of the challenges we also faced in season one is you know we you know you, you get 10 episodes so you're trying to sort of wrap your arms around um, um, cases that are that have the that are representative of the high strangeness of project blue book that are roughly from that you know 48 to 53 era um, and, uh, and and to sort of have a have a chance to to sort of maybe um, explore things a little more deeply that we wouldn't even get to in, in season one uh, and, and not feel the pressure to try and get everything in there, um, I think is really uh, an exciting, a creative opportunity. Well, I spoke to Paul Hynek uh, several weeks ago about the program because after the first episode, I was a little bit bothered by um, the portrayal of his father. I thought that, you know, it was mm -hmm. a little bit over the top. I mean, I knew Hynek. I didn't know him well. I had met with him a couple of times. I'd been to Chicago to visit with him a couple of times. Uh, we went on an investigation together. So I knew Hynek, and I was, I was kind of worried about the way um, he got into uh, the airplane. They involved you involved with the airplane crash uh, mm -hmm. and all of that sort of thing. And I wondered what the Hynek family thought about that. So I talked to Paul Hynek, and he said that you all had been in communication with them, talking to them about it, and and worked with them on it. He was they were pleased. The Hynek family was pleased with the way his their father was uh, being portrayed. Um, and, and, and that part of that came out of your discussions with the Heineck family. And how did they get involved with this? Yeah, I mean, we reached out to them. You know, we really wanted to. You know, uh, we, we, you know, we, we talked a lot about authenticity. You know, I, th I think you know there's some historians that really want hyper accuracy, and we can we can have that talk. But certainly in terms of authenticity, we wanted to um, really have um, the people that knew him best, which was obviously his family and and Paul and Joel came on board, you know, one of the first discussions we had was, you know, Heineck was really, it was important to him to popularize science, to find ways to popularize, not, not, and not just science, but this topic, this topic of UFOs. And, and you see that he had sort of a, a sense of humor about it. You know, when he was at Kufos, he's, his, his letterhead had, literally had like a, like a little green man, an E.T., delivering him the mail as, as the top of his letterhead. You know, if you watch Close Encounters of the Third Kind, he's there with his iconic pipe, uh, looking at greys. You know, this, this is not a guy that I, I think took himself, you know, th you know that that that's 
seriously that he was in some ivory tower. I, I think he loved the idea of sort of popularizing these topics. And uh, and when you know Paul told me, he said, look, I think I think he you know with this this approach he would kick back, you know, pop some popcorn, put on his slippers, and and just enjoy it and and be happy that's popularizing the topic and introducing people to the topic. We we felt very validated. Real quick about 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 the plane that you mentioned. Um, that that came out of a discussion that you know Repelt really went up in T6 trainers uh, on some of these UFO cases and and once once you've got Heineck as your essentially as your protagonist um, you know we, the decision was made to why don't we send Heineck up there too with uh, with with Repelt uh, in, in one of these uh, T6 trainers um, and uh, and hence you got your controversial scene that uh, that you responded to. Uh, well, since you mentioned Repelt, is uh, is Quinn really Repelt or is he a combination of characters? I, you know, it's interesting. You know, he was at one point. He absolutely was repelled. And I think as we got into creative discussions, one of the challenges became that he he was very uh, similar to Heineck. I mean, here you had two people that 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 took the subject uh, seriously, um, but came at it with a skeptical bent. Heineck maybe to a degree more than repelled, um, and and we're both family men. And uh, and then we started sort of said to ourselves, well, and are we getting rid of this actor if there's a season two? Are we are we are we firing this guy because you know repelled left Project Blue? Book in '53, and bringing in are we making people suffer through the sort of Captain Harden and Captain Gregory years? You know, we, one guy was apathetic, and the other, you know, was it was a hardcore debunker. Um, and we said no. We, we we think that there's a different way to go about this to make him sort of uh, you know have the, some of the attributes of Repelt, but uh, but be a different character, and we can go in some different directions with him and and provide a more of a contrast to Heineck, which we thought you know drama being conflict, you want characters that are not you know always in agreement. Um, we thought that was a was the creative opportunity and the way to go but but when we made that choice said well he's not really repelled anymore and and so we really felt the the thing to do was to change his name at that point and make him um have some of the 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 attributes of repelled but but certainly not all of them so the reason he isn't called repelled in the show is because he's really a, a, a different person than repelled to make it i guess more dramatic I think so. I, you know, I, 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 and whether that's something as simple as, you know, he, he can go out on dates and, and, you know, we have one guy who's a family man and one guy who's single because, uh, you know, Repelt was married to his wife, Elizabeth Ann, and they had three daughters, um, you know, or, or whether that's, you know, we can make him a war hero, but, but a different kind of war hero than, than Repelt was and, and give him some other attributes. We thought, you know, we, we felt strongly that, you know, and, and look, there's elements we want to get into down the road. We want to get into sort of Lieutenant Colonel Bob Friend and, and, and things like that, but, but we didn't want to sort of be beholden to get rid of, getting rid of um, a character after season one uh, and, and go through sort of a, a revolving door of, of, of kind of, you know, from the audience's perspective, you know, not really likable characters. Well, I notice that you bounce around in the time frame. Your time left timeline isn't linear. I mean, you go to uh, you you go to the Lubbock Lights, you go to Flatwoods, uh, you go back to the Green Fireballs, which I guess was last night's program. Oh, I shouldn't yep. say that. <laughs> I've just dated the program. One of the earlier programs, the Green Fireballs. <laughs> so you're jumping you're jumping around yeah. in yeah. in time and. That, I think, is a bit confusing. It may be confusing for some people. I, I don't quite understand the reason for that jumping around. Mm -hmm. I, th I think I think we had a discussion on that. You know, there's there's a had we been picked up for five seasons, uh, season one would have been you know uh, shortly after you know Roswell and, and and Project Sign is is formed and you know Captain Snyder and Colonel Howard McCoy and Al Letting uh, deal with uh, you know the Charles Witted and the Gorman dogfight and and some of these 1948 events, um, but we didn't really have that luxury. And one of the discussions we had was look, Project Blue Book, in a world of 500 scripted shows out there, that has the most name recognition, uh, and, and so we wanted to sort of uh, not not just take what we thought were the best cases, many of which are obviously from Repelt's book, um, but but put them in an order that we thought created an escalation. Um, you know, one of the reasons we did Gorman first was because we thought there was a real connection to what the 2004 Nimitz incident um, with Captain David Fravor uh, and what that had gone through, and and then you get you get sort of an, an incident where there, there's there's a sort of a close encounter where they claim to see something, and then you get the Lubbock Lights, where really credible people, multitudes of them, uh, you know, see something in the sky they can't explain and really create a sense of escalation, whereas 
you know, chronologically, you wouldn't have probably felt that sense of escalation. Um, and also, you know, we didn't want to we didn't want to not do those cases. We just thought they were so representative of the high strangeness of that 48 to 50 um, to 52, 53 era. And, and so what we make we make sure in the documentary is obviously to sort of to sort of, uh, uh, you know, date these things and, and orient them for those that want to know more about the case. Oh, this was 48. This was a project sign case. Oh, this was this was something grudge looked into uh, and, and really sort of, you know, for those that that, that 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 you know stick around for that 30 second uh, sort of documentary they'll get that information and obviously they can go on our website and get a lot more information on 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 the case that it's based on well as i can say you can go to go to my blog and get a lot more information too which is my point is to promote my blog of course um, but I, I i i kevin i love that it's given you and 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 richard dolan and, and so many people are talking about cases from the late 40s and 50s you know lincoln la paz's name is coming up you know uh, gorman's name is coming up and it's just uh, i'm as a ufo nerd i'm incredibly excited even if they say oh look they, they got this scene wrong it really you know, this this would have been uh, they, these texas tech professors would have done this but um but but at the same time, it's, you're talking about it, and that's one of the key goals of the series is to entertain, but hopefully get people talking about this phenomenon. Well, as I say, uh, one of the interesting things, and I've, I've, I've said it before, um, I was in Lubbock, Texas in the mid-1990s, and at, on a lark, I looked up Carl Hart Jr. in the phone book, and mm -hmm. he still lived in Lubbock. So I phoned him to talk to him about the Lubbock Lights. Uh, for those who don't know, Carl Hart took the pictures of the Lubbock Lights in 1951. And we had we had a nice discussion about what he had seen. Unlike the other teenagers who have faked UFO photographs and eventually come come clean with it, Hart told me and that he uh, in the 1990s still didn't know what he had photographed. He wasn't sure they were alien spacecraft or anything like that, but he wasn't sure what he had photographed. And I think you know that was kind of an interesting thing. But uh, you know that's going back into the 1950s. And I also think that it seems to me that a lot of the cases. UFO cases, the more robust, the more interesting cases are from those er earlier years. Uh, you've made a study of that. Did you come to kind of that kind of conclusion as well? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, th I think you get the, these great iconic uh, um, cases. I mean, uh, including some that are coming up. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to tip it, but, but really, from 47 to 52 is really a treasure trove of of, of inexplicable events that are being investigated. And yes, there, there's some that come along later, um, you know, that uh, that that are that are fascinating as well. But th but that summer of 52, 52, 48, these these are these are huge years in ufology. And, and while you mentioned Carl Hart, I really wanted to thank you and congratulate. You know, there's there's always the Philip classes of the world that have wanted to debunk the the, the Carl Hart photos, uh, and and I, I think you know you are you are one of the most thorough I would say you and Brad Sparks are two of the most thorough researchers to sort of either legitimize or poke holes in in in, in a very challenging sort of mysterious field, uh, and I and I love that you were able to sort of say hey this doesn't make sense that this guy would have you know for all these decades would still hold on to some lie, and I, I do believe those Carl Hart photos are authentic. Well, the thing is, the thing is, when Hart was interviewed by Ruppelt and the people back in the 1950s, uh, they threw the fear of God into him, uh, saying that you know if this is faked, you're going to be in big trouble. And I think had he faked the photographs at that, the way they approached it, it would have frightened him into not saying anything about it if they couldn't prove it. But now he had a chance to come clean, and he didn't do that. So I think that you know it's kind of an important thing to take a look at. I'm going to have to uh, take a quick break here. I am joined by Arturo Interian, who is a senior vice president for scripted program for arts and entertainment and one of the guiding lights behind the um, Project Blue Book show. And their website you can take a look at is www.history.com slash shows slash Project Blue Book for more information. My blog also, I do a, a weekly review of the program with additional information about it at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. And while I'm thinking about it, if uh, you have an interest in the paranormal, take a look at some of the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network. Uh, there's some good stuff out there that uh, might interest you as well. We will be back right after this with Arturo Ontarian.
they are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jennings, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God, it was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simul TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, sci-fi, and horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. And I have returned. I'm joined by Arturo Interian, who is a senior vice president at uh, Arts and Entertainment. We're talking Project Blue Book and UFOs and that sort of thing. Um, I guess the, the one thing that I wanted to know, and I, I, we, you sort of touched on it, but what was the inspiration for coming up with the program? Uh, what was David Leary's motivation for presenting this program for, on Project Blue Book? Yeah, I, I, I think at the end of the day, we, he, he thought um, it, it was it was a, a fascinating. You know, there's many ways you can come at the UFO subject, but but the very idea that factually, from from 52 to 69 or, or or 70, if you want to be technical, but it was 52 to 69, there was there was a an Air Force official government study of this phenomenon, and its lead. And, and when the twist was, was that the lead scientific consultant, um, we ultimately really kind of enjoyed sort of poking holes in and saying, ah, oh, this is all fake it's all weather balloons but over time there was there was a preponderance of cases he couldn't dismiss and went and went and went from sort of skeptic to believer um, but but was basically participating in something we call today fake news um, which is no matter what they found uh, and they were going to say it, it was it was a, you know a naturally explainable phenomenon even though even when it was clear that was clearly not the case so that was fascinating and and the more you sort of dug into sort of the reality of that and, and sort of the fact that you know wait a minute, were there other groups that were investigating UFOs and Blue Book, as, as Heineck came to sort of suspect, was that, was that just sort of the front operation and the real investigations were happening in other places and, and being done by other people? And then Heineck's not getting sort of 
the top secret UFO reports, as he reported in his in his in his second book, I think the Heineck UFO, UFO report. Um, you know, th- th- there becomes a really interesting, fascinating sort of cover-up operation, but yet at the same time a very real phenomenon. And so I think David keyed into like the way to take on this sort of the greatest mystery of our time, this UFO phenomenon, is through Project Blue Book, is through Heineck, because so many of this theme of these themes are so relevant to today. Well, and Heineck is kind of the thread that keeps the whole thing together because he entered early on and he was there almost to the very end of Project Blue Book. So he would be a good thread to, to link on to. Yeah, and as you know, we know obviously in an, in an alternate universe, it would have been Project Sign, and he would have been approached by three Air Force officers from Project Sign. But but we had to sort of find a way in, so uh, we we had him joining it in, in the Project Blue Book era. Well, I know one of the things that bothered, I guess, a lot of my colleagues is I, I said it's kind of the ma- mixing of fact and fiction. And I, what I think about is back when I was growing up, my mother told me that George Custer had been promoted to Brigadier General by mistake. And if you mm-hmm. go back and you look at the history, you find out, well, that's not true. He was an academy graduate. He was promoted up the ranks. And almost everybody who was in an academy graduate in the Civil War ended up as a general of some kind because they were the professionals and there were all these volunteer organizations. But she had it in her mind that George Custer had been promoted by by mistake and it all comes out of a movie, They Died With Their Boots On. And I guess what my, my colleagues, some of my colleagues fear is there's going to be a mixing of this. People aren't going to understand where the fact and the fiction departs. Yeah, I, I, I think culture, I mean, look, I, I think a couple of things. Certainly, um, this has been a problem since, since, since any sort of true story has been put to film. I mean, you know, uh, I think you and I may have talked about it, you know, everything from, from the film The Untouchables to, uh, to Saving Private Ryan to Gladiator to, you know, you, you, you know to the, to they died with their boots on. There's elements that, 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 that are, you know, you're trying to tell a larger truth about Custer. You're trying to tell a larger truth about Elliot Ness. And, and, and life doesn't always break down in sort of a dramatic structure that that always works to tell that story in the best way and and, and i think that's it's exacerbated even more i would say in a scripted series um by that i mean you know you've got multiple episodes that you have to hook people from episode to episode so if you and i were tomorrow were making a heineck movie let's say heineck could very much uh you know first half of the movie he's a complete skeptic even though it's not quite right he there's there's you know 1953 he wrote an article for the journal of uh, of the optics society of america saying maybe there's something to this but ultimately but let's, you know, but, but then 1966 comes along, Michigan Swamp Gas, and okay, now he's in debunker mode because he's sort of been humiliated. I, I think for an audience that's watching episode to episode, you couldn't. It would be very challenging to have Heineck be in hardcore debunker mode um, episode after episode for, for season after season until you got to 66 because the audience sort of knows. They, 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 have, they have the benefit of, of, of historic hindsight that, like, yeah, Heineck, there's something to this, and we're trying to create a character that's one of the, if not, if not the smartest guy in the room, one of the smartest guys in the room. So he has to catch on a little more quickly than he would if we did a movie where you're sitting down for two hours uh, and, and you can sort of tell, uh, you know, tell that larger truth uh, via dramatization. Well, let me ask a question that bothers me immensely. Who is sure. Neil? Dun- who is Neil McDonough? What he's in- <laughs> his character he's, or who he's based on? Who? who yeah, who is ba- who is he based on? I, I admire him as an actor. Sure. I love the things he's been in, uh, like Band of Brothers and whatnot. But uh, sure. Uh, uh, who is he supposed to be? I guess is the way I should have phrased that. He's he's largely you know, he he's got he's got he's largely twining in cable. I would say um, uh, he he's someone that before our show starts knows that there's something to this phenomenon um, and and is is is, is going to you know uh, you know is going to keep keep a policy that keeps a lid on it. But but you know so I I'd say that's those are those are two two of the um, he maybe has a little Samford General Samford in there but um, but but once we sort of said we want this guy to not be gone after a season then you sort of have to do a composite sort of general and then you feel like well if he's going to do this that and the other we got to change the name because really now he's not twining anymore now he's not he's not cable either so um, that, that so those are, those are some of the people that I think he's that, that are in his DNA if you will and if you want a nitpick here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed last night he's wearing an Air Force Commendation Medal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that medal wasn't created until 1958. Well, I'm going to have my wardrobe person <laughs> fired immediately. I'm kidding. I'm I kidding, would, Kevin. I, 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 know. <laughs> I just, I, as a military, 
ex-military, I, you know, I, I noticed those little things. And I'm probably like one of only four people in the entire country that would have picked up on that. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes those things happen, and we try never to do it. And, and you and I have talked a little bit about this. Sometimes those things happen because it, it, looks, it looks good on the uniform. So, you know, uh, you know that, that's sometimes that's how, that's how those cheats can happen. Well, and I, a lot of people, I, I do notice, you used to be in Hollywood, they just throw the stuff on the uniform and nobody really paid much attention to it. And in today's world, they seem to get it much more accurate. The ribbons are in the right precedence on the on the chest. They're not upside down. They're not mixed together. The wearing of the various insignia is proper. So that's come a long ways uh, in, in the last uh, 40 years or so. So that's kind of uh, and, and, and while we're nitpicking, I just, I just want to tell people out there that um, – uh, a couple things. Yes, Heineck has a pipe. Um, you'll see two things. Um, you'll see it in later episodes. Uh, he had it in earlier episodes. The scenes were scenes at home that we ended up cutting and not making the final uh, sort of cut of, of the episode. We have to be sort of roughly, you know, 45 minutes. Um, and, and also, we, I found that like a guy with a pipe looking around sort of a mysterious scene. It's just very. It almost played two Sherlock Holmes, almost like a parody. So um, we're, we're very judicious about his use of the pipe. And one other sort of inside inside baseball detail you know as, as you know he played Littlefinger on Game of Thrones Aiden Gillen who's our amazing lead actor um, and, and the discussion became like well Heineck for many years had a goatee but the worry was that he's going to look like Littlefinger in the goatee so can we just have him have like just a beard uh, and, and Aiden was very keen to like this is a new character so I think the goatee will show up at some point down the road but just to sort of get the show on its feet we didn't want to have him look too much like Littlefinger <laughs> And I noticed he was Littlefinger right away, and I was yelling, where's Sansa when we need her? <laughs> and, and that's probably, that's not probably, I know it's what appealed to him, is he played such a horrible villain. Oh, and yes. here was sort of, and here was sort of a, a, a very decent man, a family man, uh, uh, you know, kind of up against a, a giant sort of Air Force and government machine, uh, and that really appealed to him. Well, let me, I've just got a couple of minutes left here with you. Sure. One of the things that, uh, you know, in Game of Thrones, the planning for some of the things goes back years. Uh, the Holdor situation. Yes, you sure. find out in like the fifth season why he's called Holdor and where that came from. Uh, in a scripted series like that, do you do you plot it all out that far in advance? We we do. Uh, yeah, I'd say yes and no. You know, we knew we had ten episodes, so we knew that there was some things we had to resolve, and there's things that we hope we're going to be able to get to. Um, and I and I know we're short on time, so maybe at some point down the road, I can I can discuss with you why that secret group is not the Majestic Twelve. But I'm sure many people think it is the Majestic Twelve, and I can talk to you about what the the four or possibly five secret UFO policy groups that I believe exist and why I believe they exist, uh, and which ones had power and which ones didn't. But 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 nothing in the show, I would say this, nothing in the show is, is random. If you see something like, wow, that didn't happen, there is, there is a larger conversation or a larger point. It's really been thought about. So, it, it, you know, it, it, anything from Russian spies to a secret UFO policy group has really been thought about and poured over and discussed historically. Well, uh, I just uh, have run out of things to say because I haven't run out of time, basically. Uh, sure. Let me thank you for taking uh, the time to join me here on a different perspective and talk about Project Blue Book and some of the behind the scenes things are going on and the directions things are going and how things came to be. Uh, the website, I guess, is www.history.com slash slow slash Project Blue Book. Any hints of things coming in the, in the future? You know, there was a big event in the summer of 1952 that was a really big deal uh, that I think um, might be, uh, we might be headed towards. Um, and uh, it really uh, led to a big press conference and a lot of uh, discussion about what could have happened in the sky. So that's, that's the only hint I'll give you. And, you know, the, 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 those that know what I'm talking about will know what I'm talking about. Well, and, and, and last night's hint, uh, there we go again, last night's hint. In the hint we got uh, from a previous show, it looks like you're going to deal with the Florida Scoutmaster next up. Sonny DeVerger. You know, we're going to do our, our, our take on, uh, on, on the Scoutmaster case. And that'll be interesting to see how you do it. Well, let me, uh, let me say thank you so much for taking your time. I appreciate uh, you doing it, and uh, good luck with the show. Well, you're having good luck with the show. Uh, we're looking forward to more episodes. Well, Kevin, thank you, and I, and I just want to say I'm honored to be on your show. I've read so many of your books, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to sort of let you behind the curtain and say, hey, why did they do that instead of this? Uh, always happy to have that discussion with you. Well, thank you very much. Uh, this you got is, it. Uh, All right. Thanks, Kevin.
This has been uh, Arturo Etirian, who is the uh, Senior Vice President of Scripted Programming for Arts and Entertainment. You'll find out more about uh, things at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. When we come back, I'm going to take a few minutes to discuss the last program we did and then a little bit more about things uh, I've seen about uh, Project Blue Book. We will be back right after this. here and they've been here for thousands of years making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. I am back. And I say I am back because I had to let the guest go. We had him just for uh, three segments there. I appreciated the time he took to speak with us about Project Blue Book. One of the things I wanted to do before we uh, close this show out today is last week we uh, were talking about Treasure Quest and we had uh, um, Cappy on it, um, Keith Pleskett. And one of the things that always bothered me is, you know, he mentioned that he had two tours in Vietnam. And I always said, am I the only guy that only had one tour in Vietnam? And he explained it to me at one point that what it meant was that he had been in Vietnam for seven months. He went on R, he came back, and that was his second tour. I always thought of that as a single tour. You got a vacation in the middle of it. And so by that thought process, I had two tours as well. So I can join the club, I guess. Um, my first tour was 10 and a half months because they screwed up and I didn't get my R&R in the middle of the tour. And I had about four weeks when I came back, which means I didn't go through the Great Depression that everybody else did when they got back from R&R, realizing they had months to go. I had weeks to go, so I didn't care. But I hope that uh, those of you who listened to the program and listened carefully picked out some of the things that, that were said about Treasure Quest and the reality of that program. And I am st- astonished that I have had very little feedback on that program. And I thought there would be people who would want to discuss the things that uh, Pliskett said to, to us while we talked about Treasure Quest and the reality of the program. But one of the things that people had asked me is they found this treasure at the very end of the second season. It's this Incan sun god and these little uh, llama figurines and why they didn't do anything more. And uh, I think that kind of answers the question about how valuable was that treasure they found, what they had found. Uh, It wasn't very because they didn't come back for a second season there. They went into a different direction and they went off to chase another treasure, which is all based on a book written by, I think it's C.J. Progers about his Bolivian adventure. And they 
and that, that's where we are with uh, Treasure Quest now. So those of you who are excited about the Treasure Quest programs, um, you know, you'll have to take a take a deeper look at that or a closer look at it and try to, um, I guess, view a little bit between the lines on that to see where it's going. Let's go to Project Blue Book. One of the things that is said by my colleagues is that they're a little bit disappointed that it wasn't more of a documentary. Why did they go the direction they did? I've always separated it in my mind between the drama, the necessity of creating an exciting program, and the reality of the situation they're dealing with. And I could separate in that, that in my mind and look at it as an entertaining program. Some of, the, some of my colleagues don't even like it as an entertainment program. I kind of enjoy it, and it may be because little fingers in it, I don't know. But I've always thought of it as an entertaining program, and that the little bit they do at the end I thought was a little bit, not quite enough, not quite enough, let's put it that way, of um, explaining the case upon which the program has been based. And uh, they take some liberties with those things in the interest of drama, in the interest of creating an interesting program. And I can un kind of understand that. And the other thing that is, is I guess, interesting is it's, it seems to be creating a, a buzz in the world of UFOs, because a lot of my colleagues are talking about the program. Most of them don't like it, but they're talking about it and, and they're tuning into it. Although some of them say, well, we're really glad that you're watching it so we don't have to, which uh, I think is kind of a sad thing to say. You should really kind of view the program for yourself to, to get an impression of it. What I've liked about the program is the way it brings, I guess, the world of the 1950s back to life. Uh, they have some stunning sets. They have those beautiful old cars. Um, you get a real feel for the 1950s, the early 1950s, late 1940s from, from the program, which is irrelevant to the UFO aspect of it. So the question, I guess, is, is it a disservice to ufology that they're really doing a program that is more X-Files-like than it is a history of Project Blue Book? Is, is that a bad thing? And if you look at it from the point of view of UFO research and how it may uh, create in minds of people things that didn't happen in reality, and that's why I brought up the, the comment about um, my mother believing that Custer had been promoted to general by mistake because it shows how those sorts of things bleed into the culture and people see those things and run with them from there, um, taking it as, I guess, as the truth. Uh, but I've always looked at the program, I guess, because it is more uh, leans more toward the fictional aspects of the of the um, UFO field than it does to the reality of the UFO field. Uh, you know, I, I see this great dichotomy there that I, I just don't think that people would uh, not be able to make the distinction between the fact and the fiction. And I say that reluctantly because I did see in TV Guide the other day, and I. Don't buy it. I just pick it up at the newsstand to read the jeers and cheers section of it. That uh, Project Blue Book got cheers for the way they were presenting the program and delving into the reality of the UFO phenomenon. So my concern about people not being able to separate the, the truth out of there may be, in fact, uh, a truth, that, that people cannot do that. Uh, so that was one of the things that... And, and, and I, you know, I've talked to... Uh, Arturo about that, Arturo about that uh, frequently about why things are done the way they are on the program. And I guess, you know, we provided them with a platform to expound a little bit about what the program is and where it's going and the directions it's going. Uh, and I'm appreciative of, of the program. I enjoy it. My friends, friends do not. If I was running the show, <laughs> I, I would look at the military aspects and get it a little bit, a little bit better. I would, I would know the things. Uh, in the program, they had them driving Jeeps and they had government license plates on them. Well, military vehicles don't have government plates on them. They don't, they don't do that. Um, I mentioned that uh, the one general was wearing a, a medal that had not been created until 1958, that sort of thing. 
Um, so I, uh, the saluting, they always get the uh, movies and television are terrible on saluting. They just do not understand how that works. Um, and one of the things they don't really know is on the flight line, which is means you're out there where the airplanes are parked, you're usually not wearing headgear. You're not saluting because there's danger on the flight line. Planes are maneuvering around. Uh, the hat can be blown off and sucked into a jet engine and cause uh, damage to it and that sort of thing. Little things like that. But, they, you know, that really doesn't harm the reality of the program because Hollywood just doesn't understand that at all. And I don't think they've ever understood that uh, from, from my experience in watching what they're doing. So, you know, we can, we can pick it apart and we can nitpick it that way. Or we can take a look at it as entertainment, which is what I do. I enjoy the programs, although I will say um, they're getting a little bit too far afield into the Russian spying aspect of it. You know, I, that's a kind of a subplot that I could do without. But, you know, that's that's the way they're doing. That's the way they're doing the program. So you can take a look at that and wonder if that is really relevant to that sort of thing. I know when I was talking to various witnesses down in the Roswell area, one of the things that the, they all said, or maybe not they all, but many of them said, was that there was a great deal of Russian espionage in the area. Of course, the reason would be the 509th bomb group, not because they picked up a flying saucer or any of that, but because they were the only atomic strike force in the world at the time. And there was there was questions that needed to be answered by the Soviets. You know, how how many weapons did we have? Um, what was the capability of the uh, the units that would have had those weapons? Could they could they deliver them? So there was Russian interest in what was going on in not only Roswell, but Fort Worth, because Fort Worth was the um, headquarters of the. 8th Air Force, 509th being part of the 8th Air Force, 8th Air Force being part of the Strategic Air, Strategic Air Command. So you had all of that kind of stuff going on in Roswell. So there was Russian interest in what we were doing. Uh, Jim Carrion, when he, James Carrion, when he uh, talked about his Roswell deception, brought all of that together. There's a lot of Russian stuff going on. And a lot of the UFO phenomenon was related to this idea of attempting to convince the Russians that we were... Uh, our capability of what was for retaliation was much greater than it was. So maybe the Russian spy aspect um, will, will have some real relevance later on down the road. Anyway, as I say, uh, the point really is uh, I enjoy Project Blue Book. I look at it as sort of an X-Files program as opposed to a real treatment of Ufology, it does give you an interest in some of the cases. Uh, they're bringing up some of the important cases, some of the cases that are um, well-documented in the Project Blue Book files. And by well-documented, doesn't mean they were actually alien spacecraft, but there's a lot of information about them. So you get a look at that, and it may, in, may incite interest. One of my colleagues did say, wished at the end of the program, it said, well, go to my blog to take a look at the... Um, the stuff that I write later on is a way of uh, expanding on the knowledge, the real knowledge of those specific cases. And I kind of appreciated the comment by, by my colleague. Uh, you can take a look at the blog at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. I've looked at each of the programs that have aired so far. I put up commentary about how uh, the real event took place and what the real conclusions were so you get a better feel for that. Um, you can take a look at uh, the X-Zone Broadcast Network. I do not do enough to promote the X-Zone Broadcast Network, and I should do more, because there are a lot of fine programs on it. I've got uh, some friends who do programs on, on it, and I think you should uh, give those a listen if you're interested in other aspects of the paranormal. If you're interested in the UFO Roswell case, take a look at Roswell in the 21st century. And if you are interested in the Socorro UFO landing with Lonnie Zamora, take a look at uh, Encounter in the Desert. That kind of wraps it up. I will be back again with another special edition of A Different Perspective. Thanks for listening. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, just like sugar is what you're looking for. 
Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I dot net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. <laughs> 